0: But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.
1: You know, when I first saw Bitcoin, I was like, great. The meme is don't mess with our money. Otherwise, we have this release valve that essentially breaks your MMT model. And that's pretty dope. And uh, we shall all love that. And we shall all try to get as much Bitcoin as possible and never sell. The Coins is very different. It's like, now that we've done that, let's build crypto civilization as opposed to just crypto anarchy. Welcome back to The Breakdown with me, NLW.
2: It's a daily podcast on macro, Bitcoin, and the big picture power shifts remaking our world. The Breakdown is sponsored by Nexo.io, Arculus, and FTX. And produced and distributed by Coindesk. What's going on, guys? It is Friday, February 4th, and today I am joined by my guest, Patrick Stanley. Before we get into that, however, if you are enjoying The Breakdown, please go subscribe, rate, review, and join the Discord. You can find the link to The Breakers Discord in the show notes, or you can go to bit.ly slash breakdownpod. Now, Patrick Stanley is a super interesting dude, as you'll find out. He's the former head of growth at Stacks, formerly Blockstack. He's the founder at Freehold, and he's one of the core contributors to Coins, which is going to be a big part of the conversation today. In that conversation, we talk about Stacks and how it doubled down on Bitcoin. We talk about City Coins and geographic competition for talent. And finally, we zoom out and talk a little bit about what the next few years might hold as it relates to Bitcoin, the dollar, and more. Without any further ado, let's dive in. All right, Patrick. Welcome to the breakdown. How are you, sir? Good. How are you? Good. I'm super excited for this. Uh, you know, we were just talking about this, but you know, we kind of had this back and forth. Uh, you know, <laughs> wanted to do this for a while, and um, this week there was a you know a, a random news story that caused us to reconnect and talk a little bit around City Coins, and I thought. To hell with it. Let's, let's do the conversation now. Uh, let's talk about all sorts of different things going on and the geographic competition for talent and what it means for crypto and all that. And, and you know, we can cover some of the news, too. But let's start, I guess, with, with your story a little bit. We met when you were working on uh, Stacks, which were, I guess it was probably in a, an earlier name at that point. But give a little bit of your background in crypto and talk a little bit, I guess, about kind of the work that you were doing with Stacks
1: yeah. So very briefly, uh, Stacks used to be called Blockstack. Before it was sort of smart contracts in Bitcoin, it was decentralized naming on Bitcoin with a uh, user owned encrypted storage. So, you know, they're more focused on the data layer and the sort of naming layer than they were the smart contract sort of aspect of, of building on Bitcoin. So right now, you know, Stacks can do those things, but Stacks powers smart contracts in Bitcoin. Our view is that, you know, Bitcoin is the category winner of crypto. The contrarian but obvious thing to do is actually just build on it. Um, and so I was the head of growth at Stacks, um, and uh, I joined when it was like a five hundred thousand dollar seed company called Plockstack uh, with Minnie and Ryan. And then uh, fast forwarded to today, it's roughly like two to three billion dollar protocol. And I spun out to start my own entity, and uh, you know recently been very involved in the City Coins project. That's my like abbreviated background, and I've been in startups for over a decade now, and been through that. So that's like kind of my background is like startup finance kind of stuff.
2: Awesome. So I do want to get into uh, the, the newer stuff in City Coins, But first, I guess, just for, you know, I think that the way that you phrased it, you know, kind of contrarian, but also almost obvious in a way, just building on Bitcoin. Let's talk about that sort of, it's not really a transition, but just sort of maturation of what Stacks was trying to do. Were you around as a kind of part of those conversations? How did that happen to just really kind of double down on Bitcoin and, and make that kind of big play? You know, what was that process like?
1: Yeah, it was interesting. So like there's this really good uh, blog post by uh, Nick Grossman from Union Square Ventures and they're an investor in in Stacks. I think it's called like a Open Finance then Open Data or something like that. Essentially and essentially gives like a timeline of like how people are are going to um, adopt their private keys and adopt crypto. And basically his argument was like data is not really high on people's totem pole. Like in reality, like preferred preference versus revealed preference, the revealed preferences, uh, people really don't care ab- that much yet about securing their data and owning their data if there's any bit of friction. And the reality is um, until people can actually uh, manage their like private keys in a way that's like easy and, fr- and frictionless and there's a high incentive to use those private keys over and over again, the data side is like kind of like a little bit further into the future than we'd like to think. Like, for example, you're not logging into Facebook with your crypto keys, right? But you you would want to go through the friction of holding your private keys uh, to hold your wealth because your wealth is really high on your totem pole. And so things like DeFi, things like just like uh, essentially holding your digital assets, whether NFTs or coins or whatever, uh, is high on people's totem poles. And essentially, like, you know, and and the gang, you know, like saw this vision and they agreed, that this is like a direction we should go into. And, you know, stacks 2.0 was activated only, only like a year ago, which is like pretty insane. And stacks has just seen like a pretty good year of growth, uh, in this past year because of that. Part of the reason that they've seen a lot of growth is yes, we activated smart contracts in Bitcoin, but also stacks now yields Bitcoin natively, you know? So if you hold stacks and you temporarily lock them in this function called stacking, you earn bitcoin yield. And the reason that that is the case is because you now mine stacks with bitcoin. You send bitcoin into a mining contract to compete to see who gets to earn stacks and also, you know, write the next block. That's like a fundamental breakthrough. Essentially like that kind of views bitcoin as this like high torque gear that like no other gears are really like plugging into as far as we can see meaningfully. And so what we do was we like plugged into that gear And it turns the stacks gear, essentially, for lack of a better phrasing.
2: What has been your perception of the Bitcoin communities or other crypto communities receptivity to using Bitcoin in this way? Because, you know, I think for some folks, it feels completely obvious and like a thing that's going to happen a lot. For others, there's been consternation of any time you introduce any token other than Bitcoin, there's some controversy. But, you know, has it been more or less what you would have expected? Has
1: it been more receptive, less receptive? More receptive more receptive? because I think there are a lot of... um, optimalists and there's uh and there's a lot of like there's a, there's a lot of bitcoin centrists out there like a lot and these people are uh, are uh pro bitcoin in, in the sense that they want to have more bitcoin than you they want to ha- they want to get as much bitcoin as they possibly can uh, but they they also uh they also sort of like understand that you can build on it in this way and it's it's a very reasonable way to build um i think um i think generally speaking like well The fact is uh, Stacks doesn't change Bitcoin, doesn't do anything to change Bitcoin, doesn't try to change Bitcoin. It acknowledges as like it's like Stacks acknowledges Bitcoin as the king. It's like, you know, kneel to the king. That's the king. We're not going to change it. Uh, We're going to build on it. We're going to anchor into it and we're going to benefit from being built on it. Bitcoin's open source, like anyone can build on to it. And I think like that's really the essence of uh, this whole movement. Like if you if you look back and look at like Satoshi's writings, Satoshi was contributing ideas to Namecoin satoshi was like close friends with zuko you know like maximalism i think is honestly like i like the fact that it exists in a sense because like if they have like their small blast zone where like you know they keep bitcoin from changing to some degree and that's like a helpful thing but there's a pretty thick layer of maximalists that have just replaced religion for this and that's like you know they have a religion size hole and they want to replace that and Uh, That's fine, too. But generally speaking, if you learn lessons from history, uh, you can safely ignore people that are unreceptive and you can just focus on building. There's literally nothing stopping you from building. So that's what we're doing.
2: I think this description of actually there being multiple layers where you have this smaller blast radius that like actually does insulate the protocol in a valuable way but then there's another layer of of centrist that <laughs> I mean even the way that you just described yourself can appreciate the need for that but also are kind of unwilling to be uh a, a, you know entirely constrained by it is is a is a pretty good description of certainly what I've observed a, a, a well as well around the bitcoin protocol. Um okay so let's take it into uh you, so you are ready to move on from stacks and just think about other things. So one, what were you excited to go think about and, and kind of focus on in the space? And then two, this was right as the pandemic began. And so what did you start to observe that, that I mean, I guess kind of informed or shaped some of what you're working on? And of course, I'm, I'm kind of teasing out where we'll get to with city. Yeah, clients, of course. Let's let's do that, that middle period, I guess.
1: Yeah. Well, it's hard to not recognize that 2020 is like kind of the year that the internet started in a way. Like we all went remote. Uh, We're all on Zooms all day. We're not in uh, offices together. Uh, And there's a few sort of a few also obvious sort of um, second order effects from the pandemic. One is people could start choosing where they live. If you want to live in Montana with good Wi-Fi, you can move to Montana. If you want to live in Miami, you can live in Miami. If you're fed up with uh, one city for not taking care of like crime or homelessness uh, and being too ideological in the wrong direction, Uh, You can vote with your feet. And it was the perfect excuse to do that. And I think the reality is, you know, pandemic also accelerated a lot of other things like money printing, um, you know, uh, creating more, uh, more, uh, you know, more debt essentially for the federal government. Um, And uh, these are all things that were supposed to happen like, you know, five, 10 years from now. Uh, But it's just like, we just press fast forward on like a whole decade essentially. Uh, And so I think what, the dynamics that uh that started to emerge where you started seeing these mayors from these different cities specifically Suarez first i think he was like he broke the mold not everyone's going to have Suarez's personality of course but uh people are going to have to copy his playbook now for sure uh because what he was doing was he was acting like his, as a CEO of a city and he was recruiting talent and capital and making out group arguments instead of making in group arguments just to his citizens so he's trying to recruit He's speaking on twitter constantly trying to pull new talent and capital in because there is a true competition between municipalities now to attract citizens and to to attract talent and capital. That game began in 2020 and still there are some mayors that don't understand that they need to be doing this, but many are starting to wise up. And so that got my wheels turning and I I've been thinking about Bitcoin and its effect on nation states. I've been thinking about cities and how cities are like immortal beings, like cities nations change but cities remain like cities don't change very often and how cities are going to be more important this decade so these are all things that thoughts that are like swirling in my head in 2020 beginning of the pandemic you know i was on a i was on a, like a twitter spaces call and we were actually uh, just talking about how stacks is mined who are like oh this proof of transfer mechanism is cool because you could uh you know when you forward in bitcoin uh, to earn stacks that bitcoin gets forwarded in like a pro rata way directly to uh stacks holders but the question was like, you know, what if you had like a little dev fund, like 30, what if 30% thirty went to a dev fund? And I was on that call. I was like, what if that dev fund was just a government? And then I started thinking, oh, you don't even need permission to do this. You could just do this. And that dev fund, the government fund would presumably grow so large that the game theory uh, is such that any given government would have no choice but to claim it. It'd be like a fiduciary and moral duty to do so. So this is one of the more permissionless aspects of Crypto that hasn't been done before, which is like create a city coin that's associated to a city and has a direct market function that the city uh, is now attached to at all times. So like the market can, and the market essentially is is like a voting booth now uh, for cities, and you can you you can build you can build on city coin just like you can build on Ethereum, and it kind of like blossomed into this new thing where we think protocols are going to fuse with cities, and you know having an open source protocol as a city is going to be a huge advantage. To mayors that want to compete, like Mayor Suarez or Eric Adams in New York.
2: Okay, this is, uh, this is super fascinating. What was the process of moving from idea to implementation with CityCoin? Who got involved? How long did it take? You know, what was that like? Yes,
1: yeah, so interestingly, this has been a community process from day one. Uh, you know, uh, there are no ICOs or pre-mines with CityCoins. They're they're activated more closely uh, to how Bitcoin. Uh, was sort of activated than anything else in that it's a mining only activation there's no primary issuer the protocol uh, generates the funds and it takes 20 uh, wallets to sign a transaction that signals that they would like to uh, essentially begin the protocol so you can push the code 20 wallet sign then an then a day later mining actually begins for everyone uh, so mining has not begun until that Day passes hundred 150 Bitcoin blocks. Uh, and there were people from all the all over the world that contributed code to push this out. You know, there's like folks from like Poland, folks from like, you know, United States, etc And, you know, essentially the I think people thought we were crazy, uh, including, you know, the mayor of Miami's legal team. Like I heard this only after the fact. Suarez was like, we all thought you were crazy. We thought like if this thing made $2 million for the city, that would be a huge win. Fast forward to, like, December of 2021, there's $30 million in Miami's uh, wallet, and we're just kind of just getting started. Yeah, it was, cr- it was it was crazy. It's been, like, a total community thing, and there's no investment for any VC firms. It was just, like, a community kind of, like, taking an idea and, like, starting to mine the idea, you know?
2: So right now the, like the website lists, New York city and Austin as also focused, or uh, as also kind of, uh, uh, live and active, but they're not, uh, built. Those, those aren't tied to the government of those cities yet. Is
1: that correct? Uh, so Austin hasn't been activated yet. Although, uh, you know, what I'm hearing is, uh, you know, the city of Austin really wants this and they're going to, uh, they're going to, uh, start to take steps toward it. Uh, the city of new york has their coin activated and it's like doing really well like specific departments in the city are uh, essentially in the process of learning how to accept their funds so that's like a that's like an in process sort of thing but the interesting thing too is like like back in the fall uh we as we like our community our community is like tens of thousands of people it might be almost a hundred thousand people at this point and yeah they were like uh they were like, who should we decide is the next city? And you know, the vote was Austin. We want Austin ne- next, like after New York, um, uh, because the New York mayor was like, "I want my coin." He was very public about it, so the community activated it. Um, what we're learning now is that uh, we have way less control than we thought we did in terms of uh, whether a city can activate their own coin, and uh, or at least we uh, let that assumption that we go and decide and like you know vote on which city is next. Uh, It's starting to like, it's starting to like dissipate essentially. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, recently we've seen, uh, we've seen, uh, cities from all over, all over the country and all over the world that have, uh, been like, you know, their mayors are like tweeting, like we want a city coin. And the reality is this is all open source. They can see the code. Literally all they need is like a stacks address and someone in the community, whether they're pseudonymous or whether they're known would just simply push the code just like anyone else could. This week, Philadelphia, their CIO went on Twitter and said Philly is greenlit for a city coin. I was like, whoa, snap! Like that—that's that's cool. Like, I mean, I didn't talk, I, I didn't talk to the mayor, like I didn't talk to anyone, but like a major U.S. city uh, is asking for this. Um, so I think that's kind of that's kind of interesting because uh, we literally couldn't stop Philly from from activating their coin if, if they wanted to, um, just as much as they couldn't stop us if we wanted to. They, but they would have to accept the funds. They could stop us. But we couldn't stop them. I th- I think that's kind of that's kind of that's kind of neat. It's like out of our control.
2: It's interesting to how quickly that has happened. When did you guys go live with even just the concept? Was it summer
1: of last year? Was it late spring? Or was it fall? I, I time has lost all meaning, obviously. But what is time? Um. So April of last year, I think. I think I tweeted like, oh, I think I've squared this, and I linked some like code that's like looking back and I'm like, wow, that code is like not pruned. It's like, yeah, not, not the kind of code I'd want to represent today. I said, like, I think I squared this, uh, the concept of a city coin is is something that, um, is really inspiring. And I kind of want to, I kind of want to contribute to this idea, you know? Uh, so that April is like when we, uh, I believe when we first started like talking about it. Uh, and, uh, I think my personal concern was like, you, know, you want to you activate, you want the highest chance of success and like you know, who knows how long that bull market was going to last for. So like there was like a mad dash like to get Miami their coin as soon as possible. And I think we were like, we knew we didn't have to wait for Miami to accept. We were just like, okay, we're taking a risk, you know, and like we're activating this thing and then boom, we activated it. Then, you know, like a, m- a month, month and some change later, like Miami uh, accepted their protocol donation and essentially what happens when a government does that is they, they essentially link themselves to that coin. like they're, They provide legitimacy for the coin.
0: Nexo is a trusted and easy-to-use crypto platform where you can buy cryptocurrencies at the touch of a button and start earning up to 18% annual interest that is paid out daily. They support all of the major assets on the market and even allow you to swap one asset for another or borrow cash against your crypto without selling it. Nearly 3 million people in over 200 countries trust Nexo with their digital assets. So whether you're just getting started or you're a seasoned pro, get the most of your crypto today with Nexo at nexo.io. Meet Arculus, the next generation cold storage wallet. Download the FTX app today and use referral code BREAKDOWN to support the show.
2: This week alone, we saw news at two very different ends of the spectrum. As you mentioned, Philadelphia story came out that I found out about because Laura Shin had tweeted about it because apparently the CIO of Philadelphia was listening to her podcast and this podcast. And that's pretty cool. But that was how I found out about it. I think then you saw it and we're like, oh, (laughs) and then (laughs) but then on the other end of the spectrum was Mayor Suarez, who said that he was announcing that they were receiving their first ever disbursement from Uh, mine city coins, which is a total of 5.25 million. So like an actual serious amount of money when it comes to a, when it comes to a, a, you know, a a polity like that, I guess one question is how much is this, you know, something like municipal bonds, right? There's been a concept of people investing in their community in in a, in a financial kind of way for a long time, but this is, you know, is this just a change in kind of scale
1: and speed or is it a fundamental change in kind? It's like apples and oranges. I, if you were to compare it to municipal bonds, I'd say it's a hundred x improvement on municipal bonds. And I'll tell you why. Municipal bonds are not held by citizens. Like, do you like have you has does anyone you know hold a municipal no, bond? No, like, no, probably no. not. <laughs> and the reason is like interest rates are so low. Uh, usually, when you're making money on muni bonds, like the spreads are large because the city is about to go bankrupt. And so you, you like you really don't want to hold municipal bonds like large like sovereigns inst- institutions do, and also they're issuing debt. Which, like, not all debt is bad, but they're issuing debt that later has to be repaid by the city's taxpayers. So that's like uh, that's a tax out of compulsion as opposed to out of opportunity. So city coiners they pay a tax to the government, but they do it out of opportunity and they do it out of civic mindedness. And um, so, there is a lot of people that want to do that. And so, if you hold city coins as opposed to municipal debt, you have a shared stake in the success of a city as opposed to just owning the city's uh, debt obligation. I personally think it's a hundred X better than a municipal bond, but I, it's a complete different animal. Just like you can use them to code like w- one. I think there's real value in creating a community around a coin. I think there's just inherent value in, in doing that. It's like, it's like a coordinating, uh, mechanism to, uh, to have people who have skin in the game, uh, want to like, uh, 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 improve a concept or, or, go, or kind of like go toward a mission. Um, like, for example, if you had like a Mars coin, you could organize people to try to like, you know, get on Mars and like terraform Mars, um, with a city coin, you know, people are trying to uh, essentially uh, improve their cities. Uh, they can program applications. They can mint NFTs, like create artwork. Uh, and there's been like $200,000 worth of NFTs that have been minted using Miami coin and New York city coin, which are, which is pretty great. You know, like getting a lot of artists off of subsistence, subsistence level living. And, uh, you know people are people are building like cool applications. Like someone built this like proof of hodl access control uh, application where like you could uh, like a door unlocks when you uh, when you like uh, prove that you hold some Miami coin. And so like it's kind of a whimsical idea, but you know conceptually uh, the, the the concept is whimsical, and even uh, uh, what I'm about to say is kind of whimsical. But like you can expand the footprint of a city in that way. Like if you can only access. Uh, a certain space, an outdoor space or an indoor space, uh, or even an application, uh, through access control for using that city's coin, like does that space become that city? Like kind of, yes, kind of no, but kind of, yeah, like that is like kind of Miami. Um, you know, we're just getting started. Like people are going to do independent journalism. That's like funded by city coin yield. Uh, I think people are going to, uh, you know, people are going to, uh, you know, set up like Wi-Fi and like have it be powered by their, their city coins. Like there's gonna be all sorts of things that people are doing, and we have a multi-million dollar citycoin accelerator that is that, that's got like amazing mentors like Amanda Kassat, who's the old CMO of Consensus. It's got like the founder of Skype, Sten Temkivi. Uh It's got Balaji Srinivasan, uh, who everyone knows. Uh, it's got the founders of Stacks, uh, just like Trung Fan, who's like a who's like a, ma- a ma- expert in virality and meme master, uh, and just like amazing mentors so like this is the year of utility for city coins like 2021 was the year of like seeing if this thing works as a fundraising mechanism and we can build a community around it and we've proven that um and i think like you know just like thematically if you were to view like web 2.0 uh like the way cities benefited from web 2.0 was that they just got like a dot gov uh url right and That was that was it like they could show information and tell people what they're doing like That's a that's a that's a great uh, level up from what they had before, which was not that. uh, But now, like if the Web 2.0 way for the government to use kind of like internet protocols was to get a .gov, the Web 3.0 way will be for uh, for uh, for governments to have their city coin for cities to have their city coin. So instead of .gov, it's city coin.
2: What have you guys noticed, and I I know your observations might be different than some of the others, but, you know, in terms of motivations for people who are involved in Uh, In mining city coins in these places, you know, it seems like there's a clear financial incentive that's designed at the protocol layer for the governments to adopt. But it it sounds like from the description that you just gave, that it's actually less like raw financial speculation and more actual kind of interest in utility that's gone into the the consumer side of it so far. Is that accurate or... Is it a
1: combination of everything? Uh, a combination of everything. You're always going to have people that join clubs, that join movements for the wrong reasons. Uh, but overwhelmingly, uh, we've had like city coiners are people I trust. I think this is like a, a high trust uh, kind of community. Uh, and the reason I trust them is because uh, their affinity is towards civic mindedness. They tend to be like just really uh, good people who uh, are, like want to see the world become better. City coins reminds me of Bitcoin a little bit. I, and like I'll say it like it really does. From like the no pre-mine to the impact it can actually have on like the real world yeah i'm biased because you know i'm a part of the project but it's the first time i've like felt like that since bitcoin uh you know when i first saw bitcoin i was like oh wow great the meme is uh don't mess with our money otherwise we have this release valve that um essentially breaks your mmt model and that's pretty dope and uh we shall all love that and we shall all try to get as much bitcoin as possible and never sell the city coins is very different it's like okay now that we've done that, let's build crypto civilization as opposed to just crypto anarchy. And so I think that's like a vision worth moving toward. It's like, how do we have like a smooth, peaceful decentralization as opposed to a chaotic anarchic uh, decentralization?
2: What is your sense of how? how... Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> no, no, I, I think it's, I, that's, that's one where I like, I, it's funny. I like to actually let that type of thing kind of just sit and, uh, and have have the listeners be able to digest it. (laughs) Um, And seriously, I I think, you know, what do I need to add to that? Right. Um, No, I, I wanted to ask though, you know, what your perception is, I guess, building off of that, of how, this geographic battle starts to play out because obviously you have, you know, you have a mayor in Mayor Suarez who is making a very strong play to actually bring people to Miami, which is, you know, had a, you know, the, the, the call has been heard and obviously a huge number of people have. How much do we anticipate, do you anticipate that type of activity to become normalized? And even going back to what you said about, um, kind of cities before, you know, one of my one of the things that I always thought was fascinating, it's random, but not only has Damascus been a city for something like 12,000 years, it's been named Damascus or the, the equivalent, Damish, for basically that entire time, right? And that's through new, so many different empires and being destroyed and rebuilt and destroyed and rebuilt. And, you know, cities that are in kind of the old world, i.e. not America, have that thing where they've lived through a lot of different phases of human organization on top of uh, the city structure. Obviously, U.S. cities are different because they're, they've are they always been cities inside the U.S. kind of regime. But, you know, how do you see that geographic competition continue to play out, you know, in, in the U.S. in particular? But I get, you can expand to the world if you want to.
1: Yeah. So I heard a few things like, uh, the one thing regarding like, uh, cities being like eternal beings, that's actually a Peter Thiel quote. Uh, I found that like rent, like someone like sent that to me. They're like, Hey, have you seen this? And, um, he was like, there's something interesting about cities. They're like eternal beings Like you like, there's very, ra- very rarely, uh, do cities get wiped off the face of the earth and just never return and like, and like boundaries can change, but cities remain, you know? I think in regards to like the competition that is only going to heat up, like for sure going to heat up like this new archetype CEO of the city is really like, I think web, like web three founder of a city is like too much of a mouthful. So I think people just say CEO of the city is going to be a new archetype, like for sure. And like I said before, that's just like, uh, you know, mayor's making out group arguments to attract capital and talent to their city and uh, running their, their city, like a, almost like a company. And that means competing, you know, company to company, you know, competing for, uh, you know, Try, if someone's like hey i'm trying to decide whether to move to new york austin or miami it's like well then one of those mayors had better like be in in your replies being like move to you know move here move here we want you like we're we're seeing that happen um <clears throat> and i think in in insofar as like um the sort of like global geopolitical game uh i think that game is all about uh which uh, which countries cities and 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 who whose citizens can amass the most bitcoin um, because essentially like Bitcoin is becoming its own point on like a geopolitical triangle and to borrow a term from Balaji and you have like, sort of like woke capital, that's the like U S you have, you know, CCP capital. That's like, uh, China, which is like, uh, looks like it's got a lot of growth ahead of it. And then you have Bitcoin and you're starting to see, you know, countries like El Salvador rightfully, uh, um, just making sure that they can potentially safely, <clears throat> safely untether, uh, from, uh, a currency that from 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 a, a reserve currency that uh, might not be as strong as as it, it would like to be. So I think every country is just going to want to get as much Bitcoin as possible, and like that's that's the game.
2: <laughs> Where do you think the dominoes are for this year? Or I guess maybe maybe a better way to ask this, so it's less of a, a full on prediction, is what places are you watching, pay attention to, observing, or, or is it less places and more infrastructure as well?
1: The places I'm looking at are. Uh, cities in the, the u.s but and interestingly it's not a matter of uh, being a democrat or republican like um there's been equal um democrats and republican run cities that have been asking for city coins maybe more democrat even it's kind of surprisingly but in terms of like globally i think south america is like a really great place to experiment it's on the it's on the same time zone as the u.s so like people from the u.s can like you know visit like take a look see if they want to like you know stay there a little longer term uh, also uh They're kind of like in dire need of, you know, offsetting of inflation. They're also, they also can benefit tremendously from, you know, developers that want to build, that want to build, you know, kind of open source software in their, in their area. Sorry, one sec. Um, So South America is very interesting. India is very interesting. Like, uh, you know, India is a country with a lot of locked up intellectual capital. Uh, And, you know, 20 years ago compared to today for India is like night and day. Um, So that's very interesting. And obviously, like the West, you can categorize as like descending and Asia, you can categorize as ascending just from like a state capacity standpoint, like state capacity is just like uh, government's ability to get shit done and uh, improve the quality of lives for their citizens. What I've witnessed is uh, I love the United States. Uh, our state capacity does seem to be uh, dwindling or, dis- or, or lowering. Uh, it doesn't seem like we can get as much done as we used to be able to get done for fewer dollars. Uh, whereas, uh, you know, Asia and specifically, uh, China, um, uh, seem to be able to, to do that. And, um, you know, obviously China is not without their faults, but, um, um, that definitely does seem to be the trend, like Asia rising, uh, the West descending. And, um, part of my hope is that, uh, city coins can actually act as like a safety net, um, for some of the West, um, descending and, and kind of like buoy it a bit.
2: What? Besides city coins, besides this geographic type of battle, what are you watching in 2022? What are you anticipating? What are you kind of thinking about?
1: Um, one thing I'm thinking about is like um, uh, uh, whether the Fed can actually like uh, 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 raise rates as much as they like to say they can. Uh, I, you know, I need to. I, I, I like if the Fed raises rates like even like even like a few hundred basis points we're we're spending like a good chunk, maybe like 30% of our entire federal budget on, on the interest payments for the debt servicing. So what that tells me is that we actually can't raise rates very high. Uh, uh, and, uh, and if we, if we, uh, it tells me we can't raise rates too high. It's like, you know, if, if people are baking in like, uh, you know, 1.25% interest rates uh, by the end of the year, m- my, my, my sort prediction is like, I don't know if we'll go above 0. 0.65 actually, because I don't, I don't think we have the stones to kind of do that. Uh, and uh, I think, you know, this is like the year, of like if you're trying to raise cash, like raise cash this year and like be, be like, ha- have have dollars on deck, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm looking at markets, things like that. So it it's kind of, a, it's kind of a shame we have to like, by the way, like f- from like a. Uh, from like an information theory of money standpoint, it's kind of a shame we have to like look at the Fed to like see how we're going to plan for like our business and our livelihoods. It, it'd be like that's part of the, one of the reasons like Bitcoin's so awesome. It's like I know it's going to be twenty one million, you know, by by this year, uh, uh by, by this year in the future, and I know the schedule. Um, it's like Bitcoin's more like a sorry, if I'm going out tangent here, but like no, ah, it's a good tangent. It, it kind of yeah, it kind of it really sucks actually. Like as as a business as, as like a like people who are doing business, they, they should be focusing on their businesses. They shouldn't be focusing on, on like whether the fed's going to uh, raise rates or like uh, whether we're going to, yeah, whether the fed's going to like land this thing, uh, on this like narrow strip, uh, as opposed to, or the, whether we're going to like monetize our debt and going uh, or going to inflation or hit a recession. It's like, you shouldn't have to think about that all day, you know, like that, that sucks. And so, you know, it's part of the reason you, you build on Bitcoin, you try to save in Bitcoin, you, you know, and, um, and you build on something that is a reliable carrier of information as opposed to one that has a lot of noise in the system, which is, which is the Fed. Not to say the Fed's all bad. I'm just saying like, like it comes with its negative externalities, you know, Bitcoin's like Bitcoin's on like the complete different dimension. It's nice. It's nice that there's a stable dollar, like no, 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 uh, no denying that. But it's also nice that there's a store of value and and a money that essentially directionally goes up in value uh, over the years. It's
2: interesting. I, I feel like I've watched Bitcoiners and crypto folks have this full kind of three hundred and sixty journey around the sun where they have learned over the last, you know, eighteen months that they really do need to pay attention to what's going on in traditional markets and how traditional markets think about things and you know the what the what the dynamics are as related to the Fed, but then are reminded of how stupid it is how much attention and how much sort of, you know, universal attention is given to these sort of micro micro proclamations of a small member group as it relates to the economic dynamics that everyone else will be, uh, you know, experiencing. And even if while while still sort of understanding that it's going to be a factor because of just the nature of Bitcoin expanding and being a thing that's held in different types of portfolios and portfolios that have other types of constraints that are still tied to that traditional world, Uh, like re-rejecting it almost as uh, on a matter of principle and kind of getting uh, re-invigorated by Bitcoin.
1: (laughs) Totally. It's like Bitcoin is also like a a sponge for liquidity. And and like if the interest rates are super low, uh, you're just going to get more money going through the system. uh, And, you know, Bitcoin is going to absorb that. So we have these high highs when interest rates are super low. Uh, Question for you. Do you think Bitcoin needs the dollar? In what way? uh in any way like as a as as a foil for its own ascendancy uh or as uh yeah i don't know it's kind of an open-ended question just wanted
2: i guess i'm more let me not to do a real podcaster slash academic thing, but like answering a question with another question. I think a version of that question that would be really interesting to explore is, does the economy need a dollar and a Bitcoin at the same time? Like, are they actually sort of, does does one suffice or not? Because they're presented in this way that is, uh, sort of a, a you know a, a dialectic, right? It's like Bitcoin answers the follies of the dollar. However, in a modern economy, do you actually want an inflationary currency that can be kind of used in this way that doesn't have to support its uh, its value, right? A lot of the people who dis who reject Bitcoin basically say, you know, or that their argument is is effectively that like your critiques of the dollar are correct, but that's not the dollar's job. You've got the dollar's job wrong. And I think that's a really interesting thing to explore.
1: Yeah. You're, you're you're getting me thinking about, uh, some of the sort of like, uh, Keynesian aspects of the dollar, which like, you know, if the dollar were to be going up in value at like, it would gain like 10% annually. You'd be like, okay, I'm not doing any consumption. I'm I'm not doing as much consumption as I was before. It, It actually makes more sense to save. Uh, and, and therefore, um, um, the economy is not being stimulated as much. So like, I think I think that argument exists uh, um, to the degree to which it's defensible, uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm unsure about. However, like the flip side of the argument, uh, one of the flip sides of the argument is like, but don't you want people saving more money and becoming like more robust, you know, as like citizens and not so like reliant on the government as like a, a nanny to like, you know, take care of you, you know? And that, that argument also does have some validity too, where it's like, you know half of americans can't afford a 500 dollar medical bill like if I, if, a, if if they would pay 500 bucks they would they would break the bank half of americans over half of americans and that is like there's a lot of it's not like just that in its own is a bad thing but and i, I actually i do want to make one more prediction after after this that i think you might enjoy um that alone is its own bad thing uh, but there's second order effects like if you don't have financial independence you can't actually like you don't you don't have you don't. You might be more afraid of getting canceled for saying things that are just factually true, uh, and like shouldn't be. Um, and, and 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 you know maybe the mainstream doesn't want you to say it. For example, um, and uh, you you, lo- you kind of like you almost like kind of lose rights uh, as as a citizen as you become more poor, right? Uh, you no, know, I mean you do in in, in a way. I think uh, you have less freedom to, to kind of navigate the world. Uh, and you might be, uh, in a more fearful position where you make bad decisions as opposed to making like good, uh, decisions that are like, um, you know, you might make antisocial decisions. You might not make uh, good decisions that, um, that have like, uh, that, that create like a positive, um, functioning society. Um, one prediction I do want to make, um, is that by the end of this decade, just as everyone, essentially everyone is on the internet today, I think everyone's going to be an investor like both out of necessity and uh, out of accessibility. Necessity being, um, you know, I think MMT will be largely uh, proven wrong over th- by the end of this decade. There'll be some few hangers on that, like, like the same type of people who are like, if you were like getting bombed in a war, they'd be like, there's no war. You know, like nothing to see here. I think that <coughs> that, that will happen. Sorry, my dog's barking. Uh, the accessibility <coughs> thing is like Coinbase and Robinhood uh, opening up the gates for like anyone with a mobile phone to own some crypto. So I just think that's like that's like a major 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 um uh two two like forces that are going to cause everyone to be an investor. And I would go so far as to say like uh, just like everyone was like a farmer uh, back in like the 1800s like 98% of people were farmers. I think people actually uh, might make this their profession. Um like like almost like a overwhelming amount of the population uh, might make this a profession, and I know how like uh, much that sounds like let them eat cake, but uh, in, in a way, but I think that actually will uh, will happen. Um, it'll, it'll be more proven to be happening uh, by the end of the decade.
2: Well, to tie it to the other kind of question that we wandered down, which by the way, I know the audience is going to be like, you should have gone all the way down that rabbit hole, but that's for, <laughs> we'll, we'll save that one for another podcast. But I do think that um, the, the sort of the the question that you get into in terms of on the one hand, you're talking about sort of incentivized consumption versus incentivized saving and the difference of a Bitcoin-based system versus a dollar-based system incentivizing savings versus incentivizing consumption. And I think the toggles that are reasonable to pull are what you're trying to incentivize. The place that it starts to get uncomfortable is like uh, how much the money system dictates you like toward one towards the other, you know, and how hard to kind of escape the velocity of one versus another. It mm-hmm. is how much the system is constructed upon you having to participate in one versus the other sort of, I'm definitely a freedom maximalist. So it's funny, like, you know, it depends. I, I can almost see my answers, like which side of that argument I would be on would be based on who I'm talking to, you know, <laughs> um, a little bit, but <laughs> the related though, I th- I do think that there is a so another piece of that is the the human psychology aspect and whether people are more inclined to save or to uh or or to spend and I think investing is actually the thing that blows apart that uh heuristic or that blows apart that dialectic in the sense that um, in uh, Saving feels passive, consumption feels active. Consumption doesn't do anything actively towards the future, but it's an active thing that you're participating in, where saving is just sort of the absence of doing something. Now, maybe if you'd have savings with a plan, uh, it's different, but then you are actively investing and your mechanism may be saving, but not. And I think that one of the things the floodgate has been thrown open on, and I think crypto is probably the biggest factor in this, and I think that the sort of next wave of Wall Street bets is sort of another part of it, but the idea that people uh if you have 15 extra cents or 15,000 extra dollars can use that to actively invest in the future and participate in markets in a meaningful way is something that will be i believe one of the legacies of this period in history and you're seeing it in terms of the you know if you look at like um I can't remember the name of the app, but there's an Indonesian finance app that lets people have, you know, they can invest in Bitcoin, they can invest in even gold proxies, they can invest in proxies of US uh, equities in some ways. And it has unbelievable uptake. And these are, you know, like with users who are investing like a dollar at a time, right? And And it turns out that it does not matter what your wealth level is. Humans have the capacity to think in terms of investing in their future. And in fact, I would argue that it's, the the what technology has sort of obliterated is there aren't really technical barriers to investing in those small levels now. And in some ways, what needs to catch up is the narrative, right? If you look at financial media, it's still largely exclusionary. It it's designed around terms and experts who I are know. kind of like they're commenting in uh, you know inside baseball type of of terminology. And if you don't get it, you don't get it. And I think I think that's also shifting. Obviously, you know the rise of independent media is a big piece of that. But I I, I tend to agree that this sort of shift in uh, how the 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 breadth of people who view themselves as investors, or at least view investing as a key piece of what they do, is going to have some pretty dramatic impacts on on the shape of society.
1: Absolutely, uh, the, I love that last thing you said has, having impacts on the shape of society. But like, just like the internet and Web two point impacted the shape of society because software was eating the world. I think Web three will impact society because markets are eating the world. I think markets will eat basically everything, just like software is basically eating everything.
2: Well, we got our topic for the next time you come on, uh, <laughs> th- where, where we start. And it's been an awesome conversation, man. Really, really enjoyed having you here and uh, appreciate it. Look forward to the next time.
1: Yeah, thanks so much.
2: There's tons that we could dig into on this, obviously. And I just want to point out that I think the reason that watching experiments like City Coins play out is that they are really at the epicenter of these two key trends. On the one hand, the massive shift in how we organize our lives geographically and what geography means, on the one hand it means less than ever because you can be remote and work from wherever, but at the same time that actually makes geographical considerations such as the climate you want to be in, the access to nature, the outdoors, whatever you prioritize also can matter more. But you have that converging with new ways to organize social systems powered by crypto, which is really just a mechanism for aligning incentives and distributing power across networks. I think that we're just scratching the surface of where those trends are going to take us, and I think it's important to keep watching what places are on the vanguard of that like Miami. It's certainly something that I'm going to be keeping an eye on, and I hope that you'll continue to join me on that journey. For now, I want to say thanks again to my sponsors, Nexo.io, Arculus, and FTX. And thanks to you guys for hanging out. Until tomorrow, be safe and take care of each other. Peace. Save a little more this month. Chime
0: checking accounts have features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA members FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply.